Heavenly Father, we thank you that you truly set us free, set us free from sin and a, a life that, that is headed to destruction. You pull us out of that and you set our feet upon the rock and you give us great victory through Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for this freedom that, that you bring and, and Lord, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we also know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so, Lord, we just continue to invite you to work in our midst today. Bring freedom in areas that are struggling for victory. And, Lord, I also pray that we would truly walk in the Spirit. And, Lord, that we would truly be engaged in the kingdom. And we thank you for these things, Lord. And we lift them to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we had a guest appearance. G.J. the Bear gave us a nice little Mother's Day message. And today G.J. and our children's ministry director, Jane Larson, have also another message that fits with our theme today. And so here's a little note from G.J. the Bear. Oh, good to be seen by you. Well, what are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm just getting all cleaned up. Well, here, let me help you a little bit, okay? Oh, you, let's brush oh, this. Oh, that feels, oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> ah. Oh, you are just looking handsome. Let's brush down here a little bit. I know. Well, you know what? You're, you're so, we can brush everywhere on you. You're brushing my hand. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Kind of weird. Here, let's get this little scarf all nice and spiffy. You are looking handsome. So let me ask, what is the special occasion? Well, I was going to go see my neighbor. Try okay. to cheer him up. Oh, well, why do you need to cheer up your neighbor? Well, he's not been feeling good, and his doctor told him he should stay home. I feel bad, because when I stay home by myself, I get lonely. You know what, GJ? I love that you have a tender heart. And you know, right now, a lot of people are home. And so we have to figure out, how can we show people God's love from home? That's right. Mm -hmm. We can and I have something I'm going to bring him. It's in my heart. Oh, let me see. Oh, hey, be gentle. Woo! We love that this. That's cool. Wow, this, your heart is loaded. I know. It is full of... <gasps> Fruity Cheerios. Cheerios. Oh. Yeah, I heard that if you eat a Cheerio, it will cheer you up. Well... So I'm going to take some to my neighbor. I think I know what... Woo! <laughs> I think I know what you're thinking, but that's not exactly it. So, I think it's really sweet that you want to do something nice for your neighbor. But Cheerios are not going to cheer him up. Although, it's not going to hurt. It can't him. hurt. It's not going to hurt. But I think you're thinking of a verse in the Bible. What's that? Well, Proverbs 17.22. And it says, you see it? A cheerful heart is good medicine. Good medicine. Yeah, a cheerful heart. So, your neighbor who's feeling kind of sick... He needs the medicine of a cheerful heart. And well, I have that. Yep. So you can share these really yummy fruity Cheerios. You can also just love him. And just by going and spending time with him and helping him not be lonely, 
That's great cheerful medicine. All right. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my cheerful heart, I'm going to encourage my neighbor, and I'm going to eat these Cheerios. Yay. Thanks, TJ. Ha, ha, ha. All right. I'll Maybe I'll share some, too. Okay. See you later. Bye. I got work to do. Well, thank you, GJ. We appreciate that message. It's always good to hear from him and going to show some love to his neighbor. And you'll see how that fits in with today's message. This message is entitled Kingdom Work. And we continue in this series with the book of Nehemiah. And as many of you know, I feel like the Lord uh, has directed us to spend some time in this book. And for uh, this is the third week now, and we're in chapter three. So we're just going along and just seeing what the Lord has for us as we walk through this book. With this message, uh, Kingdom Work, you're going to start to see the uh, directives and uh, the places in which individuals are going to work on this wall in Jerusalem, the effort to rebuild. And I think you can see some things with Nehemiah 3 and apply them into our own lives and what it means to be actively engaged in the kingdom of God, the work that he has called us to, the things he has in store for us. Something you'll note with this chapter is it's filled with all kinds of Hebrew names. And I'm going to walk us through this. And, you know, sometimes when you read God's Word and you see genealogies or, or lists and uh, just filled with all these names and these locations, you can kind of glaze over. And, and maybe that's just me, but I feel like uh, a lot of people can relate to that. And, uh, but here's what's interesting is it's still God's Word. So why is it there? Is there things there that we can glean from that? And as I read chapter 3, instead of having the verses for you on the screen, we're actually going to blow up a map of the wall. And so you can kind of see how this is all pieced together as it's assigned uh, to various people. But before we read from God's Word, I want to pray and ask that the Lord would speak to us today in a mighty way. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word speaks to us, and we thank you for this. Lord, it gives us instruction on how to live our life and, and how to live according to your ways. And so, Lord, as we read from Nehemiah 3, we pray, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts in such a powerful and real way. I pray that our hearts would be in a place of response, not just hearers of the word, but doers. Show us how to respond today as we walk through your word. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, if you're watching, this will be on the screen. If you're in our parking lot, you should have a parking lot packet. That on the very last page, you'll see a map of the wall. And while I'm reading, you can start to see how this all breaks down. So starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of of Hasinana, they laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. 
Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall. And beside him were Meshalem, son of Berechiah and grandson of Meshibabel, and then Zadok, son of Banna. Next were the people of Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joiada, son of Pesah, and Meshalem, son of Besodei. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Herahiah, a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. And they left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Raphaiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jediah, son of Haramaph, repaired the wall across from his own house. And next to him was Haddish, son of Hashabniah. Then came Malchijah, son of Harim, and Hashab, son of Pehath-Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalem, son of Halohesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoah, led by Hanan. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars, and they also repaired the 1,500 feet of wall to the dung gate. The dung gate was repaired by Malchijah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Hecarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalem, son of Colhose, the leader of the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah, son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Bethzur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rahum, son of Bani. They Then came Hashabiah, the leader of half the district of Kilah, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next down the line were his countrymen, led by Benui, and now some translations actually give the name Bavai, the son of Henadad, the leader of the other half of the district of Kila. Next to them, Ezer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of the wall across from the ascent to the army near the angle in the wall. 
Next to him was Baruch, son of Zebai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashib the high priest. Merimuth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, rebuilt another section of the wall extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. And after them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired the section across from their house. And Azariah, son of Masaiah and grandson of Ananiah, repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benui, son of Hanadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Pullah, son of Uzai, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Padaiah and son of Parash, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall, and each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Amir, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section, while Meshalem, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across where he lived. Malchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. And that is chapter 3. And as you can tell, that's quite a mouthful. And lots of names there. I, you know, these are names you just don't hear. You don't see right now, and uh, it's interesting to walk through all of that. And I think it's important, though, to read through that because, again, it's God's Word. So why are those there, and what are some of the things that come with those names? What is God trying to tell us today, given what was recorded here by Nehemiah? And as we walk through this, I want to compare that the kingdom work of Judah and Jerusalem and the wall to the kingdom work here in the kingdom of God. And my first point is this, is kingdom work starts and ends at the sheep gate. Now you look at that and you think, well, what do you even mean by that? And I want to break that down, but you'll notice in verse 1 it says that they started to rebuild at the sheep gate, and then the last verse it says that they repaired the wall from that corner to the sheep gate. It's bookended, if you will, here. Chapter 3, starting with the sheep gate and ending with the sheep gate. And I would tell you that the kingdom of God, it starts and it ends at the sheep gate. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, 
I am the gate for the sheep. He also says, I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. You cannot be involved in kingdom work until you've entered through the sheep gate of Jesus Christ. That's when you begin work in the kingdom of God. It starts with a relationship with Jesus, the King. Now you can be involved in kingdom work when you become saved. And what does it mean to be saved? It's recognizing that, that you and I, our default position, we are sinners. And our destination is not heaven. That's not our default destination. But Jesus, who came to this earth and took upon our sin to the cross, he paid the penalty and the price for sin so that you and I could be set free and given a new direction, a new purpose in the kingdom of God and also the new destination of heaven to be a part of that kingdom one day. So we recognize that kingdom work starts and ends at the sheep gate. It starts and ends with Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's all about Christ. The next point in regards to kingdom work is that it involves many workers. As you can note, a bulk of what I just read was lots of people, lots of names. And, and to be involved in the kingdom, it takes a whole army of people to accomplish the great things that the kingdom is going to do. It takes many people. It takes you. It takes the person sitting next to you. It takes your family. It takes your neighbors, your co-workers. We all are to be a part of the kingdom of God. It takes many, many people to do the kingdom work. Another point I want to make is that it takes great determination. Great determination. In verse 20, we meet a guy named Baruch. And the Bible says that he zealously repaired an additional section. It's interesting, all these names that are, are given to us in this particular chapter, and Baruch gets this word, he zealously repaired. Nobody else is described like that. Zealously repaired. Now there's different translations that would state that he worked with great energy Another translation says he worked carefully, diligently. Another translation says vigorously. And the Hebrew word here that's, that's used is actually used in other places to translate the word anger, which is interesting. And since other translations aren't revealing that Baruch worked angrily, I would interpret this to mean that he worked like mad, if maybe you've ever heard that before. He got to work, and it takes focus, and it takes diligence and determination to work in the kingdom of God. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get caught up in the things of the world that keep our eyes off the kingdom. It's so easy to serve in our own kingdom, build up our own kingdom, and we totally miss out on the real things of life like the kingdom of God, the things that truly last. And so it takes great determination. It takes working like mad. You can imagine the busy ants and the way that they toil and labor. It takes hard work. You've got to roll the sleeves up when it comes to working in the kingdom of God. 
And we see that as a testimony through this guy named Baruch. If scripture was to be written out in regards to what's happening in the kingdom today, would the Holy Spirit put that word right before you? As somebody who's working diligently in the kingdom. I think it's really neat that Baruch gets that kind of description. And I, I want to strive to have something like that to the point where the scriptures say when you enter into heaven, you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The next point I want to make in regards to kingdom work is that it's close to home. It's close to home. There's several individuals that are listed here that it says that they repaired the wall across from their own house. Another verse says that he repaired the wall on behalf of his own district. You see things like that. Repairing the section across from his house. And it's just repeated several times in these verses. And when I read that, I think kingdom work is close to home. It means that we are actively engaged in ministry with our families, with our spouse, with our children. It starts in the home. And we need to be actively engaged in, in encouraging each other in our faith journey. That means leading your spouse closer to Christ and raising your children in a way in which they'll serve the Lord. You go another level from, from your own home, you've got neighbors. You've got co-workers. You've got people that are in close proximity to your sphere of influence. And there's people that you can minister to that I could never minister to. And there's people that are in my proximity that I can minister that maybe you can't minister to. It takes all of us ministering into those spheres of influence that God has placed you in. Rebuilding, if you will, in the kingdom of God, close to your home. Incredibly important. The last point I want to make in regards to kingdom work is that what you do now matters. Whatever it is that you're doing now, it truly matters. And I know sometimes we can get discouraged feeling like, we're, we're going in and out through a day. We, we punch the time card, if you will, and then we lay our head down at night and we wonder, what's this all for? Does it really matter? And I think in verse 15, you see this guy named Shalem. And the Bible says that, that he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam. Now, Shalem probably had no idea the significance of the place that he was working. You fast forward hundreds of years later in John chapter 9, Jesus encounters a blind man at the pool of Siloam. Jesus anoints his eyes with mud and he sends him to this pool to wash his eyes where he receives sight. And I would guess that Shalom had no idea that day after day as he's laying one brick after another, that he had no idea that there would be an encounter with Jesus at that location hundreds of years later. His laboring and his toiling, his investing, his determination to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, he probably had no idea the significance 
that what he was doing right then would truly matter, especially down the road in the miracle of Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy for us to get caught up in the, the daunting or mundane tasks that, that we fill our days with, and we can totally miss the significance of what God may be trying to do in our lives. In my study of this chapter, it's interesting to note that there are several definitions to the name Shalem, and one that I discovered is that that name would mean perfect or agreeable. And I think through that, and you know, God had Shalem at the perfect place, at the perfect time, for a perfect reason that would set up Jesus' miracle with this blind man. And could it be that the section of wall that God has you laboring in, that he's got you right where he wants you? The perfect place, the perfect time to use you in a powerful way in the kingdom of God. And perhaps God has given you way more significance than you realize. And what if your, your simple job is the setting for a miraculous kingdom-sized miracle encounter with Jesus? I think we have to embrace that and believe that God is at work. We have to trust that he is doing something with the place that he has you in. And that's when we have to stand on Scripture. In Galatians 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The trust that where God has you is where He wants you to be to set up something incredible in the kingdom of God. But for you and I, it takes one day at a time persevering, rolling up the sleeves, serving the people around us, going to see that neighbor, just like G.J. the bear. Who is it that we can encounter that, who knows, maybe there's a miracle with Jesus waiting right around the corner. As we close in response today, I want to ask you a few questions. The first is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? And whatever he's saying, I encourage you to lean in and ask for his help and how to respond and process and move forward. Some other questions I would have is, are you truly involved in kingdom work? Or are you just punching that daily time card like we spoke about a moment ago? Another question would be, have you encountered Jesus, the sheep gate? Have you entered into the kingdom through a right relationship with Jesus? Do you know him as the king, as Lord of your life? And wherever you may be at as we close together in this response, I want to lead us now in a prayer together. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for the great purpose that you have over all of our lives. 
the great kingdom work that you desire us to be involved in, knowing that there's incredible significance as we serve you and we serve others in the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord. Show us ways to serve. Starting in our homes and working out through the places that we have influence with our neighbors, our coworkers, those we have connections with. Show us how to serve these individuals all for the sake of the kingdom of God. And Lord, perhaps there's someone listening or watching right now that they've not yet entered into the kingdom of God. They've not started that relationship with Jesus. And I want to invite you to pray with me this simple prayer of receiving Jesus. Just pray quietly with me in your heart as I lead you in this prayer of response. Just simply say, Jesus, today I surrender. I give my life to you. and I want to serve in the kingdom of God. I realize I'm a sinner that's in need of a Savior. And so I come to you and ask for forgiveness of my sin, that you would cleanse me and make me a new person, and that you would come to live in my heart and help me to walk in obedience to you from this day forward and equip me to serve in your kingdom. Thank you for this gift of salvation and for being my King, my Lord, and my Savior. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to thank you for worshiping with us today. Perhaps you're someone that responded in prayer to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And uh, if that was you, I want to take a moment to encourage you to look at this resource for next steps. We have a, a book called Now What? And it's a guide for the next steps in your faith journey. These books are available here in our parking lot at the Bell Tower. You can also access this electronically if you go to faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what and uh, we want to equip you with this there's also a free bible that comes with this i want to read from psalm 67 before we close in prayer and then our video doxology but the bible says in psalm 67 may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your ways that god's ways may be known on earth that his salvation among all nations May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you, God, rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Will you pray with me as we close our service? Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to worship together. We thank you for your gracious hand upon our lives. Lord, for these families that have lost a loved one this week, we pray for a special encouragement and blessing over them. Be near to them, Lord. 
bring them comfort and peace. And Lord, we thank you for the word today and the worship today. Help us to live lives in response to your word, in response to Jesus, in response to our kingdom calling. And Lord, bless us to be a blessing. Resource us to be a resource. And as your face shines on us, help us to shine on others with the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us.